Hey, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership at Innovations in Leadership Podcast with Michael Newman. Hey, this is Mike with Innovations in Leadership. Welcome to the podcast. We're focused on leadership and helping you increase your capacity as a leader. Today, we're going to be talking about leading in the unknown. You can download the show notes at innovationsinleadership.com slash podcast. These are times of significant change. These are tough times to lead, and leadership now more than ever is important. Today, what I want to share with you are some concepts that will help you lead in this unknown situation that we're in. We don't really know what tomorrow will bring, do we? But we do know that there will be a tomorrow. You also know that it's going to take many of us to lead, to get your organization through the challenges that we face, and in the midst of all of this, keep your people inspired and moving forward. A couple of things that I want to share with you is you are thinking and planning your next steps. First is, who do you have at the table? Who's at your table? Anytime you're in a planning mode that's going to involve change, you need as many leaders as you can have at your table But you need to be sure that you have the right voices at the table that can assist you in the process. You know, earlier this uh, month, I was in a mastermind with a number of leaders from the area. And one of the leaders was a person in charge of child nutrition services in one of the communities close by. And that person shared with us on the call what was supposed to happen the day after schools were closed and all the non-essential people were sent home and, and told to stay home. To hear her experiences amplifies this point of who's at the table making the decisions. You see, her supervisor and the person's supervisor were responding to the directive of the governor and the office of the superintendent of public instruction but were responding without including the right people in the decision. They knew that this person was an exceptional leader and that they could make this happen. What they hadn't considered was what was required to get the meals from one location to another. Few people were asking the right questions. To deliver thousands of meals every day, you need to have a way to transport them. You need to have not only the preparation, but the delivery systems. You need to have the accounting and the on-site support, including supervision and cleanup. You see, the essential staff for food service meant custodial staff, transportation drivers, mechanics to ensure the vehicles were running, principals in their buildings that knew the kids and families at their schools. These became essential, and systems were developed to address the needs and to adjust. So who's at your table making the decisions? As you bring people around the table to share ideas, be selective who you pick. Choose people who possess these following characteristics, that they understand the value of questions and that they will ask questions. Secondly, that they desire to see the success in other people, that they're team members and teammates that are working together to see the success in others. Thirdly, is that they add value to other people's thoughts, that they take one idea and can build upon that idea, and that they're not threatened by other people's strengths. You want people on this team, at this table, who are not threatened by the strengths of others, who will sit and listen and ask questions. The next consideration is can they emotionally handle quick changes in the conversation? When the conversation shifts from one aspect to another, can they make those adjustments and not become emotionally attached to the previous ideas? 
You want people around your table who understand their place of value at the table, what they are contributing and why they are there. You want people who will bring out the best thinking in the people around them. You see, that person needs to be someone who's looking for the success of the organization, along with the success of the team, along with how they're going to help that team be successful. So you want people who bring out the best thinking in others. You want some people around the table who've experienced success in the area under discussion. Now, these are some new times that we're in right now. You may be facing some challenges that maybe you feel like you've never faced before, but the answer to that really is you have people in your organization who have faced a challenge similar to what you're facing right now. And the last point in this is that you want them to leave the table with a we attitude, not a me attitude. We want people who understand the value of questions, desire success in others, add value to people's thoughts, that are not threatened by the strengths of other people, that can switch the conversation quickly and understand their place of value at the table. These people need to bring out the best thinking of the people around them and have experienced success in this area that's being discussed. And you want people who are going to be team players who leave the table with a we attitude, not a me attitude. You know, John Maxwell, in his book, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions, there's a section in there about how can I navigate leadership transition successfully? Well, that's where we're in right now, isn't it? We're, we're navigating leadership transitions, not transitions of people, but transitions of processes and ways that we do this. And so I think his questions that he answers, I think, really help us as we're looking at leading in the unknown. What steps can you take as a leader to implement the changes that the organization needs to be successful? The changes we're facing right now are going to be necessary to move us forward. Our planning processes have a lot of unknowns, don't they? But things are beginning to come clear. But waiting for others to define things from the feds or the state level should not limit your planning efforts. So John mentioned some areas for us to think about, and I think it really applies in taking his his topics that he had in this chapter about good leaders ask great questions and navigating change. He said, change what needs to be changed, not what's easy to change. Will the changes be easy? No. Is there a guarantee that you'll succeed? No. But what we're giving it is our best effort, because if we do succeed, we're going to help people transform their lives and transform the organization. Now, more than any time in the past, you have the opportunity to make changes. In this crisis situation that we're in, change is more readily accepted and failure is okay because at least you tried something. So focus, though, on what needs to be changed. Is it systems? Is it strategy? Is it content? What needs to be changed? Second point, let go of yesterday so you can go to tomorrow. John mentions this. He says, clean out the closets of your mind. You know, too often we hang on to things that we should get rid of because they're comfortable. So sometimes we have to let go of yesterday so we can go to tomorrow. So here's a key leadership principle. I don't want you to miss this. Acknowledge the importance of the past. Don't just let go of things. Acknowledge the importance of the past. Honor the people who made contributions, but show your team that they can't stay where they are and why the place you want to take them is better. To do that, you have to invest time with your planning team at your table or in your Zoom room or on your team's conference call, whatever it is, to assure you have the right voices that are going to help you effectively and efficiently plan your moves forward. 
You have to develop a plan. You have to start with a good foundation. Your vision should not change, but most likely you're going to have to adjust your strategies. The third point is this. Communicate the message with simplicity and power. Good leaders take the complex and make it simple. That's the hallmark of a good communicator. I learned this a number of years ago. I was in charge of the business and operations for the school district. I was neck deep in all the implications of the legislative process, the proposals on new graduation standards, on class size ratio changes. I had all this information, and I assumed that everybody else needed that information too. Thinking that everyone should be as concerned as I was about what was coming down the pike. They were very complex issues with a lot of moving parts. I would say things like the Senate's looking at class size ratios of 20 to 1, and the House is looking at 15 to 1, and the governor's budget has another proposal. And I remember so clearly, as we were leaving a meeting once, the colleague said to me, she said, Mike, when these are final, can you share them then? I don't have the time or the thinking capacity to work through all the variables that you just shared. When the decision's made, then I'll be ready to take action to implement. You see, I needed to have created a powerful message, a simple, powerful message. That was a great lesson to learn. Communicate the message with simplicity and power. What do you need to communicate? What do you do as you communicate the vision for change to give people multiple reasons for it? You see, the changes sometimes are imposed from the outside like the class size thing I was just talking about. Sometimes there are changes that you want to make. The more reasons for the change, the more likely people are to accept it. Certainly, the main reason should be what's good for the organization, but it's also what's good for the customer or the client or the students or the community. And how is it better for the people in the organization who have to implement the change? So never underestimate the importance of answering the question, what's in it for me? You see, one person's good idea may be another person's nightmare. So again, as we look at these points, change what needs to be changed, not what's easy to change. Let go of yesterday so you can go to tomorrow. Communicate the message with simplicity and power. And fourthly, activate belief in people. See, when it's our vision, we're most likely to be 100% behind it, making it a reality. But when it's somebody else's vision, sometimes we're not as committed to it. You know, it could be like designing a house. You've got a great plan on paper, but the execution of the plan really determines whether or not you're going to have a great house. So as you're thinking about what you need to do, as you work to design and implement changes, you've got to believe in them. Without conviction, you won't give yourself 100% to those changes. People will sense that, and they won't follow you. But believing's not enough. You must also believe in the people who will be making the change. See, without conviction, they're not going to move forward. Jack Welch once said, anytime there's a change, there's an opportunity. So it's paramount that the organization be energized rather than paralyzed. Have you felt paralyzed in the last few months? I know I have. Yet, when you energize the organization, you do it by energizing the people. You activate their belief in themselves, and your confidence in them will give them confidence in themselves. You know, people perform consistently as they perceive you expect them to perform. Isn't that interesting that people perform consistently as they perceive you expect them to perform? 
So here you are building your house. You've got this plan. You've got your team members, your subcontractors with you. They start the plan and then they begin to run into issues. Materials aren't showing up, weather delays, needed change because the costs are increasing. Approval is needed. Barriers start showing up. As good leaders, you've got to remove the barriers for your people. Once you communicate the need, and the vision for the change, and help people believe they can change, your most important task as a leader is to start removing barriers that will keep people from executing the plan. Barriers are usually created by outdated system, complicated procedures, difficult people, or strained resources. As a leader, you've got to find the barriers. And how do you do that? You get out among the people and watch what they're doing and listen to their complaints. So as you're listening, ask yourself, what am I hearing? Are these issues of status quo? Issues of control? Issues of outside influences? Which ones do we have control over? We hold on to the status quo, don't we? That's just the way we do things here. You can't do that. They won't like it. They said it can't be done. Have you ever heard those things before? I know I have, and I've probably said them too. So how do we find the barriers? See, it's easy to get used to barriers or begin thinking that they're normal and and don't need to be changed. You may need to shake up your thinking in order for you to move forward. So you've got to ask yourself some questions. Here's five that I think will really help you. What internal barriers do I need to remove personally to help facilitate the needed changes? Are there policies that are adverse to the needed changes? And how can I remove them? You see, we've got to ask ourselves a lot of how can I questions. Not can I, not for permission. You already have permission. You need to figure out how. So what unnecessary tasks can be eliminated to free people to implement the needed changes? What resources can be freed up to help make the needed changes? And then who is trying to obstruct the needed changes? And how can I get these people to change or to move on? What internal barriers do I need to remove? What are the policies that are adverse that need to change? What's the unnecessary task that can be eliminated? What resources can be freed up and who's trying to obstruct? See, when we do that thinking, it will help us remove the barriers. And when we do that, we can create small wins. We can lead with speed. You see, speed's important in creating the small wins. Never underestimate those significant early victories in a process to give people confidence to keep moving forward. You see, when we create the wins, we increase the courage and the faith that people have towards that change effort that we're making. A small win gives people an emotional lift. Those people that are carrying and implementing the changes when we recognize the gains that are made. You know what they also do? They silence the critics when we can celebrate some of those wins. Every win helps build momentum, which is a leader's best friend. If you haven't had the chance yet, go to innovationsinleadership.com slash podcast to download the show notes. This is Mike Newman. Have a great rest of your day as you increase your influence and expand your horizons.